Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. So I am Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. I'm joined tonight with Eon. Hi, this is Eon, and you can find me on Tumblr at EonBlueNegative. And Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me on Tumblr at Grammar Saves Lives. And YD. Hi, this is YD, and I'm on Tumblr at Yellow Delaney. And we have a special first-time guest joining the panel this evening, today, whatever time it is for you. Fleeting or Fleet. <laughs> Hi, this is Fleet, and I am Fleeting Musings on Tumblr. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we are covering Game of Thrones season one, episode five. Did everybody watch the right episode? <laughs> I did. No, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> you wing it, damn it. Alrighty. <laughs> So before we get started into that, just spoiler warnings, spoilers all, um, spoilers all over the damn place. Okay. All right. It could be rape. I don't think there was oh. rape, but stink us. Thank you. There might be rape. Uh, I don't know. There might be. Okay. <laughs> I mean, chances are there probably is. Ch- ch- chances are good. Um, so we begin with Ned. Uh, he's walking the tourney grounds. He speaks with Sir Barristan about Sir Hugh whose corpse is being tended to by some silent sisters. Um, Ned and Barristan go for a walk. Ned wonders how Sir Hugh could have afforded new armor. He was only a squire, I think, like he says, a few weeks prior. Um, They speak of Robert and his wanting to joust. Um, When they come into the king's tent, Lancel is there, and he's struggling with Robert's armor. Ned calls uh, Robert fat, and Robert (laughs) is... Kind of takes it out on Lancel at this point, terrifies him and kind of runs him out of the tent, tells him to find the armor stretcher. Uh, Ned tells him, no sense in jousting, no one will hit you. Uh, we learn John Aaron encouraged Robert to marry Cersei. Mm-hmm. And Robert almost leaves the tent with his belly sticking out. And all I could think of was that powdered sugar. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yep. Me too. <laughs> If we can, like, skip back just to the very beginning, whenever you see Ned Stark crossing, he's crossing this bridge to get to the turn ground. I was about to say he's crossing swords. (laughs) He's not not yet. He's not crossing swords yet. Not yet. But that that bridge looks suspiciously like the bridge that Jamie and Brian were fighting on in season three. It does. It does. It does, yes. It's just the other side to trick us. (laughs) You you can't (laughs) fool me on, guys. They really weren't that far from King's Landing after all. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you think that's the scene of uh, Ned and Robert sword fucking as well? (laughs) It could be. You could be right, Whitey. Mm. You know, I have to say, if I could be serious for a moment, um, Ned was actually pretty sharp there about Sir Hugh. Um, as opposed yeah. to a bit later in the episode where he should have just, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of impressed. He figured out pretty quickly that... that he, said, um, he has his moments. You're, you're, yeah. 
you're giving one to Ned, but I'm going to have to take it away because didn't Littlefinger tip him off that Sir Hugh was a squire and he wondered how rich he got so quick? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, but then he also was the one who went, um, and how did they figure out, you know, the who would fight against who? I mean, which yeah. I, even if they did draw uh, straws for that, I'm pre- pretty sure there's got to be a way to rig that. Yeah. Whereas Barristan's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's perfectly fair. Tough luck, tough luck. And also, he's the one pointing out to the king that, you know, look, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, this is how this will shake out. And he's right. I mean, granted, he's, it's an area which he'd be familiar with. It's not the political stuff, which he does yeah. not excel at. Hmm. What I like about the the little scene that follows with Robert and Lancel and Ned, um, there are a couple of things. I, I like that it, you know, when they're messing around, Ned and Robert, it really shows that the sort of easy banter that comes from many years of friendship. I think we all have those <laughs> relationships where you just feel really comfortable with someone. And despite the fact that Robert is Ned's king, technically, he has sort of no qualms in, in mocking him, which is, which was quite <laughs> cute, I thought. You can tell they really love each other, and that was not a crossing swords joke. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Okay, they're all crossing There's swords. Nothing, and no jovialty about crossing swords. That's no, just for real. That's yeah. Serious business. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was just going to say it's also kind of another scene where we've got Robert who's lamenting his glory days. You know, he really wants to get out there and fight. Fighting is what he was good at. Fighting is what he enjoyed. And now. You know, he's he's the king. He's got all the responsibilities of a king. And really, he doesn't want – he never wanted this. He doesn't want to to rule. He really just wants to, you know, fuck boars and hunt <laughs> hunt <laughs> boars. Not the other way around. I was like, what's even happening here? Well, there's yeah, a whole new side to Ned that I never quite well, understood. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's a boar. You had a, a cheeky moment there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's funny because I know when we were covering the book chapters particularly, we did have discussions about how George R. R. Martin kind of tends to use the trope of be careful what you wish for. Um, it's something that he kind of loves to throw at us again and again. And you sort of see it here with Robert, you know. Yeah, he kind of got what he what he wanted, but it's really not what he wanted at all. Except he didn't even want that. He didn't not go really, out. No. He wanted to rescue Leanna, and then he wanted to yeah. get vengeance for her. And suddenly, it's like, "Hey, you're the king." Suddenly, he's king. Yeah. So I mean, he, yeah. I'm like, he didn't even get that, but he it sort of reminds like me of a, <laughs> a football hero who's like stuck but. as like a CEO or something, and he's really just not <laughs> suited for that. That is actually a perfect analogy. I think it really is. You know, he, he he's he's kind of like the jock guy that just wants to be out there fighting. He doesn't want to be sitting behind or sitting on a throne, you know, sitting in small council meetings. That's that's not Robert at all. And you can tell he's just really unhappy. So kind of like George Bush. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Too soon? Too soon for George Bush jokes? Never. Uh, no. I thought it, was, it wasn't too soon while he was in office. So I think you're okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's go on to the joust, shall we? Um, the crossing it's some, of swords. <clears throat> yeah, it's the mountain versus Loris. Um, Sansa is given a rose by Loris, who makes eyes with Renly. Um, she Hot really, eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> she really does suck at picking the men, doesn't she? 
but she's you know, no she's good a at teenager it. and he's pretty. <laughs> so and pretty. if I were a 12 year old girl, I'd be totally all about him too. <laughs> uh, Not me. I'm, I'm here for the mountain. <laughs> oh, oh God. She's rooting alongside Littlefinger, who happens to bet Renly um, that the mountain is going to win. It's a bad bet. And Loras knocks the mountain on his ass. Renly says, too bad. Now Littlefinger can't afford to buy a friend. And it's a cute remark that uh, Little Littlefinger <laughs> responds with. And when will you be having your friend? Ooh, la la. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little it's finger. funny how, so I've got to say, it's funny how overt they make um, the relationship yes. between Loris and Renly in the show because – I was a, I guess I keep saying I was a show watcher first, but I do recall, um, there were many sort of shocked fans at the time when this aired who were book readers who had no idea that, yeah. that Loris and Renly were gay and in a relationship, which. You know, though, going back, sorry. Oh, I interrupted. I suck. No, go ahead, Connor. Um, I've, I'm rereading and I'm, I'm almost done with the Clash of Kings, but even in, um, the first book, there are all of these references. It's just, there's just so much packed in there that I think it's very easy to miss them. Oh, totally. I think that's true. I agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, there are, if you are reading hard, if you're looking, if you're looking closely, as you say, there are, there are multitudes of references. And the one that really stands out to me is when Jamie has the conversation with Loris about, you know, sticking his sword up someplace that even Renly never found. There's some casual references to like pansies and things like that, that, you uh, know, which I'm assuming as well. Yeah. That I'm guessing is Martin's way of kind of telegraphing it. Yeah, it's there, but I agree with you. I think that there is so much in, in those books that it would be, you know, relatively easy to miss if you're not paying close attention. Yeah. Um, so our little finger uh, leans into Sansa's ear and whispers how Sir Loras knew that his mare was in heat and Sansa doesn't believe it, says there's no honor in that. And he also says no honor, but uh, quite a bit of gold. Um, and then this scene, wow, um, the mountain asks for his sword and you can tell that oh, guy, God. his squire is like running at full hilt. So, you know, this guy's got a shitty job. <laughs> I can't uh, even imagine. This this scene, though, like after he goes after Loris, he slices, he like chop, almost chops that horse's head right off, and like it's one of those Mm -hmm. ones that really stuck with me. Like, yeah, me to this. I had a visceral reaction to that. That was. Yeah, I mean, I guess at this point of the uh, of the uh, show, I wasn't really expecting that much gore. I don't know why I should have been, but yeah, that was. Uh, I still remember my first viewing of that and my reaction to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not pleasant. Oh. Can, uh, yeah, oh, I was gonna say, I was wondering, oh, are you? Because I have I have thoughts actually. <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for it. That's what I have thoughts often. Um, <laughs> Keep your thoughts this, to yourself, comma. Yeah. This is just like a really, there's a, a lot of action here, but it was such a well done scene because it established all these little things. And I really loved, like, first of all, we got a sense of who Renly was. Like, he did a little, he doesn't like Littlefinger, and he did a little bit of, like, you know, na 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 na. But, you know, he backs right down, whereas Littlefinger's like, you know, he just keeps coming. Um, I also thought they they immediately established that he's got a thing for Sansa. I mean, he's all over her. 
He's whispering in her ear. He's putting his hand on her Mm -hmm. shoulder. And Ah. Ned gives him the stink eye. And immediately he takes that hand away. Um, And he's still, I mean, at this point you can tell he's still afraid of of Ned because, you know, the hand just disappears. Um, And there's this other thing in it. I loved it. Someone like did a gift set on Tumblr and I never noticed it until then. And then I was rewatching and I saw it this time when Loris comes out of the stands and like starts to approach them to give the rose away. You can see there's this look of total panic on um, Ned's face. Like, Oh crap, Mm. he's going to give it to me. <laughs> Someone did this on Tumblr. I'm, I'm taking credit. Yeah, I've seen what you just said. Yeah, it's such a well acted section because everybody, especially Sean Bean, is just bringing it, and it's very well done. I'm um, gonna say, just spinning off that, isn't there also a gift set where they've got Parcel in the background and it's yes. like definitely zooming in on his face and it's captioned, "Why not me?" Yes. <laughs> yes. See, I thought Kamal was going to say that one. Talk about that. No, one. I haven't I, seen that one. I've only seen the one with with Sean Bean going. Oh, oh fuck! Well, it's both. coming yeah. for me. <laughs> and then, like the relief when it's Sansa. <laughs> but um, I just really liked how they this whole episode they did a fairly good job of establishing some stuff that you know will pay off later on. Um, and I, I just the whole the whole scene from start to finish, and you can see. Um, the reactions from the actors when the mountain like cuts the horse and like they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> this yeah. could go really badly. Uh, um, I really like. I'm done. Him. Oh, I just wanted to say I really like the actor that played the mountain in this season. He's 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 huge and he's scary. He's scary as fuck. And yeah, I wish he he would have been able to do the next season. I didn't even know, like, in season two, that there was the mountain in season two. He just kind of stood there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I am I wrong, but was the first mountain an Australian actor? I kind of want to claim You would know. I don't know. <laughs> I should know. I should know. I'm failing my people That's right your now. countryman. <laughs> I, I know he, he left to play a, a character in The Hobbit. <laughs> they ended up like CG. I'm guessing not a hobbit. Bad, no, he's one of like the goblins. Oh, he's one of like, oh, the, like the, one orcs of the orcs or whatever. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> so he could be a New Zealander, maybe. Or in yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's pretty. Anyway. I like that Eon. Eon has all this Australian knowledge now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Um, so after Loris is knocked to the ground. Um, he, the hound bashes him, um, bashes, sorry, the hound bashes the mountain away from him. And then the Clegane brothers go at it. Robert, <laughs> yeah, Robert yells at them to stop. That's the only thing that stops the fight. And Loris tells the hound he owes him his life and then calls him sir. The hound replies, I'm no sir. Loris holds up the hound's arm in victory. And there's a standing O for Sander Clegane. Ooh. That was um, a really good scene. Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, the next scene is Tyrion, and he's hooded and tied up on a horse. Catelyn orders Tyrion down and his hood removed. Tyrion recognizes that they are not heading down the King's Road towards Winterfell, as she had said, often and loudly. 
um, he asks to be unshackled. Tyrion surmises correctly that they're being taken to the Vale to Lady Arryn to answer for his supposed crimes. He questions what man gives an assassin his own blade. Roderick asks if she wants Tyrion gagged at this point because uh, he is making sense, like he says. <laughs> Yeah. Um, then at this point, they are attacked by hill tribes. Catelyn cuts Tyrion loose. He grabs a shield, saves her from the attack, then kills the man who tried to attack her by bashing him in the head repeatedly. That was some cra- That was like a crazy method of murder. There, he's just cut the point. He, he basically ascribes to uh, Arya's thing of sticking them with the pointy end. He just kept going. <laughs> I think he's dead now, Tyrion. <laughs> Whatever does the I- job. Yeah. Pretty much. I really like this scene just watching Braun. It really showcased that he's really a, a badass when it comes to yeah. fighting. He's got mad you know, fighting just, skills. He does. And we yeah. also see sort of the beginnings of the, the Brontyrian bonding as well, which is nice. Right. It's totally. He tells him um, what you need now is a woman, nothing like a woman after a fight. And then Tyrion looks at Cat and he's like, I'm willing uh, to see I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good times. Good times. <laughs> so, do you and think, I do you thought, think Catelyn um, was interested there just for a second? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Oh, no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> His reputation precedes him. Anybody got else got anything they want to add before we go on to the next? Um, yeah, I thought this scene was cool because, um, you know, the scene where, well, when Catelyn was saying it often loudly, trying to redirect people and throw them off. It's like Tyrion used the same method when he said that his father would be, you know, paying lots of gold to get him back. Mm-hmm. You can see, like, Bronn just, like, noticing and paying attention to Tyrion. I didn't so I thought catch that. Was, that. No, that's cool. Yeah. Mm, Tyrion's like, a nice. smart good. boy. Yeah, he certainly reads people very quickly and, yeah, uses that to his advantage. And, you know, there's a sort of a theme in this episode of things that look good on paper and they seem like really good decisions and they like it's a really good move on paper for her to go okay i'm not gonna go on the king's road because that i'm just gonna get killed i'll go to my sister she's gonna help out yeah that's not gonna go real well (laughs) and it's like the same things happen in other places like john aaron said you know what you should marry cersei lannister that's gonna be a good match you'll have a father in the and look how that went i mean there's this whole thing this shit is what how this should all work out well, and it's yeah. just the wrong universe for that. Yeah. What alternative did Catelyn have, you think? Like, what alternative decision could she have made at that inn? Well, I mean, one would be to let him go. I mean, she, she, it was sort of an impulsive move. I don't mm-hmm. know that it was necessarily the smartest move she could have made. Um, in the long run, certainly it didn't work out real well for them. Yeah, we have perspective, so. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, you know, and she figured, but she's like, okay, I've got all of these people, my fa-, but she doesn't, I think the difference between her and, say, someone like a Varys or a Littlefinger is they're, they're thinking, like, 40 steps ahead, mm-hmm. which is how not how most of us think. They're like the chess masters mm-hmm. and the Starks and even the land. I mean, Cersei certainly doesn't qualify as a brilliant political thinker either. I think they think two or three steps ahead max. Yeah. And they're operating without all the facts either. Like Kat has no way of knowing just how her sisters deteriorated or where her sister's loyalties really lie. I mean, she doesn't think that way. 
you know, she yeah. assumes logically, which I'm, I think most people would assume oh, I'm going to go to family. They'll take me in. Yeah, or, totally. You know, yeah. I mean, I think the, the difference for people like Varys and Littlefinger is that they've made it their life's mission to know everything that's going on. They have their spies all over the place. Well, Whereas, they think you know, Endgame. I think, too, like uh, just to defend Catelyn a little bit is if she had the man within her grasp that she thinks tried to murder her son, I, I don't know any mother that wouldn't take the opportunity to apprehend that person. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Just putting yeah. that out. I mean, I'm, I don't think it was a smart decision particularly, <laughs> nope. but I absolutely understand why she did it. Yeah. You know, it's yes. interesting in the – oh, I'm sorry, Fleet, go ahead. Oh, no, nothing. I was going to say it's just like an emotional response, I think, more on impulse. Yeah. For sure. It was an impulsive move, for sure. Yeah. And she hasn't seen her sister in five years. And Right, yeah, she has no she... idea. Right. And you can tell in the, in the scene later on that, you know, it's kind of dawning on her just what <laughs> what she's gotten herself into. <laughs> this has in gone horribly, stuff. horribly uh, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go on to Winterfell, shall we? Um, Theon. It might be I'm right. sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. I can I think I could hear Frankie's toy. It's a squeak toy, Ollie. Sorry. Because <laughs> like, that a Cuba Bear? Because I've never. <laughs> he thinks I want to play with him. Oh, oh. oh that was a year. That was Im- sweet. <laughs> Does Frankie have any input into this scene, please? I'm so hoping this- Frankie is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> is that your boyfriend or your girlfriend? <laughs> She just bought him a new toy for Christmas. Go play another. Go, go. I was just going to say, um, in the book, um, in this scene, there's a. it's a much longer conversation that Catelyn's having with Tyrion. And he's basically, uh, he, they're communicating and he's starting to persuade her, look, I had nothing to do with killing your son. And you can see that she's starting to come around and then they're attacked. You can sort of say that in, in the scene as well. Yeah, I, I just think they were more interested in making her into more of a, less of a political player and more of a, well, and also, to be fair, they have a limited amount of time to do all this stuff. So We're going to see a little bit of her doubt, too, and we go into her next scene in the uh, veil. Um, so anyway, we're back at Winterfell. Theon is practicing archery. Bran is going over his lessons of the houses with Lewin. Um, he identifies the Greyjoys. Theon says, uh, skilled for archery, nav- navigation, and lovemaking. That's Lewin adds, and failed rebellions. Ooh, burn. Burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, Bran-, Bran recites the Tully house words, which are family, duty, honor, and he is bummed that his mother left him. And then, a little bit bitter there. Yeah. And then Lewin gives a speech about how, you know, Callan was by his side for weeks and, you know, how she would do anything for him. And all I can think about is why the fuck don't they just do Stoneheart? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> We're all thinking that. I just okay. really want Stoneheart. I really do. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah. So this next scene, now this was fun to watch on my lunch break at work. (laughs) Uh, Theon is giving it to Ross and uh, they talk about Tyrion. She alludes. Wait, sorry. What's he giving to Ross? His great. (laughs) His pathetic talk. His crack. Oh, God. Oh, God. He's unleashed the Kraken. (laughs) Ross is 
So, yeah, they talk about Tyrion, and she alludes that he was quite a skilled lover, and then you can the- Theon gets jealous, and uh, he wants to go at it again, but not pay for it. And then she says to him, get yourself a wife. <laughs> yeah, I love that Theon can't get any respect from anyone, not even the whores. She, even though he's sort of threatening her in this scene, she doesn't really seem too perturbed by it. Yeah, you're well, right. it's the whole male fantasy to be, you know, like that the whore really thinks you're a good lover. So it's got to be a total burn that she's talking about what he would consider to be, you know, a lesser man in this respect. And then that she won't go around for free, you know, mm. yeah. which that's sort of the story of Theon's life. He wants all this respect, but nobody's giving it to him. Nope. Yep. So Arya is chasing a cat, <laughs> um, and then Ned is at his desk. Uh, he's, I don't even know why he threw in the cat line. We'll get back to <laughs> I know. I'm like, that was like the shortest scene of Arya ever. It was about 10 seconds. I shouldn't have put that in there. Anyway, in Ned's my notes, I actually just have Arya and cat, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> just to remind me it was there. So Ned is at his desk. He's speaking with Varys, and uh, Varys goes on about closing the doors and windows, making sure they are alone. Closing the doors and coming here. Yep. <laughs> a fool, a friend, yes, but still a fool. Tells Ned he's doomed. Why did he wait so long to ask him that? Ned asks. Um, and he says, well, I didn't trust you. And then they speak of poisons. He mentions Sir Hugh, who paid him, and why would, um, why kill John Aaron? Um, and he says, Varys says to Ned, he started asking questions. Um, so I'm guessing Arya chased the cat that I mentioned down to the dragon <laughs> bowl dungeon area. And uh, Varys and Illyrio are walking. And uh, they're speaking about Ned and how he's found bastards. And they also speak about the attempt on Bran's life, uh, the war amongst the wolves and lions, and Khal Drogo and his armies will not be ready. And, you know, this plan of theirs, they seem to be holding a lot of stake in Drogo actually wanting and willing to go to war. Don't you think? Yeah, I think there's also, I don't know how far ahead Martin had planned all this out because it doesn't mesh with what, well, it kind of does because, no, it doesn't because in A Dance with Dragons, the plan is something totally different. That they were never planning on putting Danny on the throne. Well, they're talking about um, Viserys here at this point, aren't they? Yeah, but if 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 it's from what they they talk about in a Dance with Dragons, it seems like the plan for years has to put is to put Aegon on the throne, right? Who would be ahead of Viserys anyhow? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to think of him as fake Aegon forever, but. Um, I don't know how far ahead Martin had gotten with this, and I guessing that fake Aegon is going to get jettisoned anyhow. But um, and the show, it doesn't make a ton of sense what they're doing or talking about. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone else has something more brilliant to talk about. That there. should be the tagline of this podcast about the show. It doesn't seem to make sense what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, Illyrio and Varys, they've been plotting about, you know, Aegon, which is not in the show, and Viserys and Daenerys, but then all of a sudden this new stuff is, is popping up, the the Lannisters and the Starks and everything, so they're just having to to rescheme and everything. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah I mean, true. I think what they're trying to do is delay the war between the Lannisters and the Starks just to give, I guess, them Danny, some more time. Right, because Danny needs more time to actually, you know, yeah, get, get, get it all together. Either way, I'm saying, like, whatever Targaryen they're deciding to go with, they're really counting mm. on this Dothraki army backing them. Right. Right. Like, that mm. seems to be kind of a risky... Proposition, yeah. Hope. hope. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, throne room. We see Littlefinger and Varys enters. Baelish... Um, <laughs> goes into full pedo finger mode and offers boys to Varys. <laughs> so me. disgusting. I vomit in my purse. Um, <laughs> they speak of other lovely proclivities, including necrophilia. <laughs> it's kind of a creepy oh. discussion. They go on about who saw who last with their own eyes or with the eyes of their or okay. other people's eyes. So they're like trying to I have- just thought I've got to say this is probably the standout or one of the standout scenes for me in this episode. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I think both actors brought their A game, even Aiden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, they play um, off very well a, against each other. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't know. They've, they've done a really good job writing Varys and Littlefinger in this scene. They have this really beautifully crafted antagonistic relationship. And both characters are so great at having those sort of subtextual conversations that are ostensibly about one thing, but they have this deeper meaning and you you never really know quite what's going on. And I'm sure the show viewers are, are quite confused. Although what's interesting is that they do sort of, by the end of the scene, they've come to overt threats really, which is not really something you see so much in the book between them, especially this early yeah. on. Well, I have in my notes one word for Peter overcompensation that dude <laughs> he's all about trying to pretend he's some something hot and it's just here let me talk about horrors again you know it's just mm, got something to to prove there yeah you see like i had the opposite reaction <laughs> for this scene i thought they seemed almost like comedic villains like um dr evil type levels of what? Like, I actually tend to agree with you towards the end of the scene because, like I'm saying, that whole overt threat thing is not really Varys and Littlefinger to me. That seemed out of character. But both actors played it so well anyway that I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah I w- Oh, go ahead, Ian. Oh, it was it was a really good pissing match between the two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure schemers of very good series. description of it. It, sure it, it I just, funny, I really... Oh, go ahead. Ian. I just, I just wanted to say, I really love Conleth Hill. Oh as yeah, Varys. He He's is amazing. He's yeah, brilliant. He is. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Yeah, he's fantastic. I've got to say, I've never once watched him in this show and thought that he could have done really anything differently or any better. I think he is just nailing it. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. And that may be, I mean, I've had issues with Aiden, um, is it Gillen? Is that how you say his last yeah. name? Yeah. Um, his performance, but I think he may be, I mean, because in his scenes with Conleth Hill, he does bring his A game. He's, yeah. he's really good. He's less... Well, okay, he's had his Batman, Christian Bale wannabe moments, but he's much more reacting and he's very, I think he may be one of those actors who really needs to play off of somebody else, but he does a really good job in those scenes. (laughs) And it's just really weird too, though, because he was, he was really good in, in The Wire 
How many you know? times are we going to like eventually he wires? Do we need to start a sister podcast for the wire? <laughs> <laughs> so you did mention we should, the lightning. We should start putting a spoiler warning in for the wire at the start of the <laughs> So you did mention the lightly veiled threats, uh, Littlefinger um, threatens Varys. Uh, well, Varys threatens Littlefinger about the assassination attempt. Littlefinger returns with his spying on Varys with a foreign friend from across the Narrow Sea. And then Renly breaks them up, tells him King Robert is attending a small council meeting, terrible news <laughs> from across the sea. Varys gets a dig in and he was like, oh, hadn't you heard? <laughs> but more importantly, Stannis is coming, right? Come on. Yes! the one true king of westeros (laughs) okay enough of that so Arya has (laughs) so Arya has found an exit outside the city walls she's at the gates and then one of the guards calls her a boy she threatens them with their heads and tell them who her fa- when she tells him who her father is. Um, we see she makes it inside and back at the Tower of the Hand, she tells Ned about the conversation she heard. Uh, Jory interrupts. Yorin is there to ask for men in the dungeons to take to the wall. He's also there to share news about Catelyn and Tyrion. And then we go to Catelyn and company who are stopped by guards at the Vale. She asks to speak to her sister. Um, Bronn says... <laughs> oh, this part. Apparently, Bronn can impregnate the Eerie, but that's just a little quip. <laughs> I think he can impregnate anyone with just a book. <laughs> uh, so we go back to Ned. He's summoned to the small council meeting. Um, Robert is not thrilled with the news about Daenerys um, being pregnant. He wants her dead and Viserys too. Uh, Ned reminds him of his honor. Robert yells, you know, blood and fear rule, not honor. And Ned um, says, well, you'd be no better than the Mad King. They speak of Jorah. Ned calls him a traitor and a slaver, and he asks, why would you trust his word? Ned says he'll fear a Dothraki army when they can run on water. King Robert blows a gasket, calls him a fool. The small council all seem in agreement to kill Daenerys. Ned says, no, he'll have no part of it, and he gives back his pin. Guys, I, I don't like it notes. when mommy and daddy fight. <laughs> this, this was such <laughs> a salty lovers quarrel. What? That was in my notes. Lovers quarrel. You know what? In my notes, I have the words "run, Ned, run," but he doesn't listen to me. Get as far away as you can. Um, it should be noted here that the last time that Ned and Robert disagreed about the Targs, that is when Robert was defending how Elia and her children were killed. It resulted in a years, years-long rift between the two of them, and Ned and Robert really only reconciled um, after Liana died. So it's kind of a, a repeat of the past in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good insight. Yeah. Um, anyway, Ned's seen back in his chambers packing up his shit. Uh, he's ready to leave. <laughs> Baelish interrupts. Backing up his shit. <laughs> he should have left right then and there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Should have run. But then Dead so many opportunities. Then Littlefinger <laughs> entices him with um, being able to allow him to speak with the last person that John Aaron um, spoke or I guess spoke with. Ned takes the bait, orders Jory to post guards at the girl's door, and then he leaves with Baelish. We return to the Vale. 
And uh, we get one of these fantastic what the fuck moments again oh, of the first season when we see oh. Liza Aaron um, breastfeeding a 12 year old. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that, that was actually, it was a prosthetic breast. It was, it was because otherwise I think that might be child molestation. Yeah, even they talk about, about it. it. If not for this episode, then later, that sh- the actress was really like extremely pleased with her fake tits. Right, <laughs> right, because she had more cleavage. <laughs> well, no, but it was this whole prosthetic, and she's like, "Ooh, we're all." I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Tubes when you have them. <laughs> it's just funny because it was it was really well shot actually because we start on with that super disturbing sight and then we kind of pan across to, to Catelyn and Tyrion and everyone and they've just got this disgusted what the fuck looks on their face and you can tell Catelyn's realizing um maybe this wasn't such a good idea yeah uh, yeah it's pretty clear that Lysa is batshit crazy um Cat right. asks She's about touched. Cat asks about the letter she sent to Winterfell. Little Robins asks if uh, Tyrion is a bad man. Lysa says, yes, uh, he killed your father. Tyrion mocks her. He said, oh, I killed him too. I've been a busy boy. (laughs) Robin wants to see Tyrion fly. Catelyn will not allow it. He's her prisoner. And then uh, Tyrion is taken to the cells. Yeah, geez, what a stunning view. That but uh, awesome. I'm pretty sure that the cells aren't as comfortable as the brochure suggested. Tyrion's uh, not having a good time there. You should leave you a know. review on TripAdvisor. Five star for the view, but one star for the sloping, sloping <laughs> floor. That be, wouldn't that be brilliant if somebody did that, like a fic, fake uh, TripAdvisor <laughs> for Westeros? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder if that's That'll, be our, next, that'll, be, that'll so be our next project Somebody after the make podcast. it. <laughs> Not me. I'm too busy. Somebody else. <laughs> I think they might be on to us if we tried it, but I'm looking. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ian? I saw you jump in. Oh, I was just going to say that some of the CGI in season one has not been very great, but this scene right here, whenever Tyrion's looking over while he's in the sky cell, is just really, it's really awesome. It's just, it felt like just seeing that from, it was straight out of the books. It just mm-hmm. felt like it, and it was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Renly and Loris is the next scene. Loris is shaving Renly and Renly whines about Stannis and he discusses Loris' skill as a fighter. They talk about Daenerys, the Lannisters, their money, Tyrell's money. Mm-hmm. And then Robert wants to, and then how Robert wants to go hunting and, you know, Renly's not keen on that. Loris tells Renly he should be king. He offers his father's money and his skill as a swordsman. This is an interesting scene. I actually like this whole episode because they set up a lot of things for later on. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, that the Tyrells are not just these, you know, that they are politically astute and are scheming. That Renly really does not have what it takes to to do this. No, uh, no, he was not a- at all. He's going to no, be a cat's bar. He's going to fail. Yeah. Um, his prompt, his prompt for doing all of this is really because he's lived his entire life being overshadowed by his two older brothers, and I've, yeah, it's kind of sad to see in a way. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Renly. I'm a fan of Loris and Renly, and I actually really enjoyed this scene. It's a, a total show invention again, and in fact, I feel like about fifty percent or more of this episode was 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 scenes that weren't in the book, but um, agree with you, Comer. I think they most of them do add to the story. 
I mean, I think this this worked out fairly well for the most part um, with the show inventions. The only scene, and I can't remember if we've talked about it yet, that didn't work for me was the one where Arya comes to her father with what she saw and sounds mm-hmm. like a five-year-old, which, or, you know, a younger child, which makes sense because in the books she is a younger child, whereas mm-hmm. now, you know, she should be old enough to have remembered more than what she reports and the fact that ned uh not that this is unrelated to the book but the fact that ned wouldn't actually delve a bit deeper into into yeah i mean like what she would do with a younger child okay that's that's great honey but you know she's she's what the actress is the character the way she's in her teens she he should be paying way more attention than he is but um i like this scene i liked and I am going to sneak in some Stannis love there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that Stannis is, he's not shy about blood. He's not shy about, shy about fighting. He will do whatever. Renly wants it, but he doesn't want to do the stuff he has to do to get the dirty work. Yeah. He's not cut out. He's not cut out. For well, Loras does try to help him by cutting him. Well, and... and- tries <laughs> 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 to leather him up a bit and says, you oh, know, God. you got to start getting used to blood if you're going to be king. Yeah. And then Loras says... And my mind just went somewhere very dirty with, you know, successive yeah. sessions. He's going to take him off to the sex up. dungeon after. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, did, I actually really enjoyed this scene. I really enjoyed the intimacy of it um i like that it shows that renly has this sort of implicit trust in loris and he, he shares everything with him um the only slight issue i have is the portrayal of loris a bit further into the scene where renly i think calls him a gifted swordsman and loris kind of plays it off really casually he sort of says you know it's not a gift i work really hard at it which to me is in direct contravention to to the arrogance of book loris and how he kind of thinks he's god's gift to sword fighting you know he's essentially yeah yeah, i mean here to me he's suggesting that renly you know you could be as good as me if you worked at it which yeah to me is not book loris at all yeah and um, they end the scene with loris says to renly that you'd be a wonderful king and then he fellates him. There were a lot of health noises to uh, watch. <laughs> I'm all like, fuck the Tyrells, though. Seriously, what a bunch of ambitious upstarts. I'm sure, that's sorry. I'm with Cersei on this one. Renly will be fucking one of the Tyrells in a moment, I'm sure. <laughs> um, there are a lot of similarities between the Lannisters and, and the Tyrells in yeah. this way. I think they are very both. They're both ambitious houses. They're both rich houses, and they're want to maintain that players. power exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the next scene is Robert and Cersei. Um, they talk about Ned and Daenerys. Uh, Cersei is on Ned's side. Uh, she's not too concerned about Daenerys. Robert then paints a picture for her of uh, Viserys and 40,000 Dothraki raiding, burning, destroying crops. Wait, can we, just, can we just mention one thing? And that is that Cersei ships Ned Burt. When she, she says to him, I'm sorry your marriage to Ned Stark didn't work out. You seem so great romance. <laughs> Hell yeah, Cersei. <laughs> Cersei Ned Burt five ever as well. Five ever. She's a yeah. shipper. Sorry. So yeah, she, anyway, Robert's painting this picture of, you know, the Dothraki army, you know, laying waste to Westeros while their cowardly king hides. He tells Cersei they are they are not united. Everyone has their own motivations. The realm's not is now full of not full of warriors, but now full of 
backstabbers, schemers, money grubbers, and uh, I gotta say, Robert's kind of right on the money here. <laughs> He's, he, he is spot on. He's spot on in this scene. This is a brilliant scene. I love it too. It's yeah. a show invention entirely, because at this point, Cersei's not a POV character. But it was one of the additions they made that I just thought was spot on. It worked well. And I thought um, the two actors have amazing chemistry with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they I, I love this glimpse into like Robert is not that du- I mean he seems dumb it's I think it's more that he's lazy and it's if he's not interested he's not invested yeah but he understands thought... war sorry right he, well that's it no you're right he does he he if, he if Robert knows anything it's about fighting and it's about war and you even get glimpses of the fact that he knows a little bit about the political motivations behind Moore as well. I mean, I don't think that he made a good king. Um, but, yeah, he's certainly not unintelligent, and, and it shows here. Um, I don't know, Lot, did you want to talk a little bit more about the how the conversation continues before we yeah, discuss so some more? There's this line where um, he says, sometimes I wonder what holds it all together, and then Cersei remarks, our marriage, and then they share a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, they both admit they hate each other and there's been 17 years of hating each other. Cersei asks about Lyanna and then Robert's a bit suspicious because she's never asked about her before. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tells her that honestly, he can't even remember what she looks like. And he said she was the only thing he ever wanted. Um, the seven kingdoms couldn't fill the hole that she left behind. And Cersei mentions the first boy they lost she asks if there had ever been anything between them, any hope, and he just replies, no. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't make her feel anything at all. So Yeah, it's a, it's a really sort of um, bittersweet exchange between the two of them, I feel, and it's kind of highlighting how both Robert and Cersei are, are tired of living this lie, and they are both in a way united by this lie, despite the fact that they they hate each other, They've, they have this shared experience, and you know, but it doesn't make it any easier living with a person who despises you. They've had, what was it, 17 years of hurting each other, of, of resentment, of, of playing these games where no one really wins. And it's it's just this really frank, painful discussion, probably the first they've, they've had. And you end up feeling sympathy for the both of them, no matter how flawed they are, which is kind of a slight issue I have with this scene. The only issue I have with this scene is that it's really more softening for Cersei that you don't see in the book because as Connor said, we don't have Cersei point of views really. Um, but then again, you sort of think, well, why is she coming to Robert now? Why is she talking to him now? And you feel like, you know, well, she probably knows he's going to die soon. So maybe she just wants to have this conversation before, yeah, to me, before that's he so does. Like, it totally that closure. Like yeah. Good I'm going to disagree. I think she's playing. I think there's some political game because they've, they've pretty much, they're setting up Ned to be some sort of cat's paw. And I think that's partly what that's about. And I also think, I mean, she's, you know, and she alludes to it. And I think in the episode prior with Joffrey about like how you have to have a relationship with your bride, it's going to save you all this trouble. And even if she nags she has direct access to him, and that's usually how she gets her way. She goes in, she does her thing, whatever she needs to do to get wherever she wants to go. So I think she's playing something there. I do she's, think it is softening playing. them, but I I think it 
it's consistent with what she tells characters and what she thinks in in canon, which is that she was partly excited for this marriage because she everyone wanted Robert. He was the you know this handsome guy. He was going to be the king. If anyone, you know, be careful what you wish for. I don't think Robert wanted to be king. She wanted to be queen. Mm-hmm. And I think there is that. And I, I'm okay with there being some depth to her with her not being quite so two, two-dimensional. But I really think there's meant to be some sort of political angle she's playing here. You think so? Because doesn't she, doesn't she have him, yeah. like, killed, like, the next day? Pretty much. <laughs> but, I mean, she's got, I mean, she's got to <laughs> consider what's going to happen, though. I mean, Ned is not, he's not, I mean, by the end of the episode, he's pretty much on his way out. But at that moment, he runs off home or whatever, you know, he's going to have the whole North behind him. I think he's still a political player that she's concerned with. I don't know. I think they're they're trying. Maybe they didn't succeed, but I think they're trying to allude that she's also got some sort of. I don't know. She's smarter in this season than she is later on. Yeah. Like that comment she makes about how Jamie would be a terrible hand, which is kind of the case at the moment. Yeah. You know, she's astute in a way that she's not astute later on. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. feel like most people would realize that Jamie wouldn't make a good hand. I don't think but, that's but intelligent. No, 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 no. All right, let's let's back up there. Would she think that? Because Absolutely all throughout Game of would. but all through Game of Thrones in the book, she's pushing for that. She wants him mm-hmm. made hand and warden, and she wants all of that mainly because I think she's going to be just controlling. Wants to be the hand, really. Yeah. Right, she but I mean, Jamie. she's pushing for it. So she, in her mind, she thinks this is the way to move, and she's not doing that here, not in that scene at least. Yeah. Well, because she knows she's going to kill. Puppet she has, yeah, yeah going to have a say anyway. Anyway, we spent a lot of time on that one. That's oh, sorry. Okay. It was a great scene. It's a great scene. It is. Yeah. Um, so Ned is back at the brothel, <laughs> speaking with a whore <laughs> who had one of. Uh, the king's bastard. It's a baby girl. And then Ned asks Littlefinger about Robert's bastards and why John Aaron wanted them tracked down. Uh, outside the brothel. Uh, Hang geez. on, i got to say, the best part of this scene was Jory because he was just standing there staring at the naked hall like he couldn't pull his eyes away, I've got to say. <laughs> oh, Jory. At least he had Jory. some fun before. What he got some next? use out of that eye before. Right? Oh. 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 Get out. Get Too out. soon. Good segue. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> so outside the brothel, um, ja- Jamie arrives with his men and Jamie's about to asks about Tyrion and Ned says that he was taken by his command to answer for his crime. Um, Jamie draws his sword at this point and the shit gets real. Littlefinger goes um, to alert the city guards. Ned tells Jamie, you kill uh, me, your brother is a dead man. Jamie orders Ned to be taken prisoner and his men killed. Jory comes at Jamie. Jamie stabs him through the eye socket and kills him. Ned then attacks Jamie. Jamie looks to be having fun. <laughs> He's enjoying himself during the scene. Oh, yeah. And uh, they go at it for a bit before Lannister guard stabs Ned through the back of his calf. Oh, Jamie is so clearly, clearly annoyed by this, and he punches the guard out. <laughs> yeah. 
Jamie mounts his horse and tells Ned he wants his brother back. And that's the end Guys, of Guys, I can't believe that Ned would cross swords with another dude so soon after his breakup <laughs> from Robert. I was disgusted. You know what I just well, realized? Like, there's a lot of, like, eye stuff. Because, like, well, yeah. Jory loses his eye, but then we have... I thought you were about to say there was a lot of eye sex. Jory <laughs> loses more than his eye there, dude. <laughs> But do you remember when Ren- in the Renly and Loris scene and uh, he was talking about how he's squeamish and he was talking about how that knight had yes. an eyeball hanging out? Yeah, of I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah uh, I noticed that as well. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of eye violence in this episode. Yeah. yeah. This is a really – this was a cool scene. Um, there was a – it was a divergence from the book scene because there are a couple of different things. Um, in the book – Jamie doesn't even – well, I don't know if he draws his sword, but he's, he doesn't fight at all. Um, he essentially tells his men to leave Ned but kill Ned's men, but he doesn't actually – Jamie doesn't involve himself in the fight. And also I think Ned's leg is not injured – well, he's not stabbed through the leg. I think his horse falls on top of him and it breaks I, his leg. I thought he fell off his horse and he broke his leg. It could be. It's something to, basically, he did it to himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, good one, Ned. Um, and also, I remember this when I was reading it. It was quite impactful to me. Is that Ned, um, I think it ends the scene with the City Watch coming with Littlefinger and they find Ned cradling Jory in his arms, which Aww, I thought was, Jory. yeah, Jory, Jory, come back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's kind of, well. I felt, felt no, bad no, for him, but he's so... No, no, don't bad mouth him He's lots of new boy to yeah, Well, he was. Oh, he my was. dead lock. You really picked <laughs> lock, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Noah Taylor, we love you. Uh, so, anything else about that scene? Oh, that was I, it's quite good. I liked I liked the bit where they showed Jamie not being impressed by his man who basically attacks Ned from behind. Um, to me, that is sort of a, a continuation on the theme that, well, from the books really, that Jamie is not one for an unfair fight. Particularly, he he believes in sort of hand to hand combat. Yeah, I, I, you know what I really liked about this scene? I think Nikolai really sold it. Like, he was so Jamie in this scene. Oh, yeah. He really got the sense that he is, this is just what he lives for. I even thought, like, you know, I couldn't help but think that by, he knew that by killing Jory, it was going to get Ned into the fight, and he just really wanted That's, a good fight. Oh, well, I mean, what do they say what do they say about, what does Jamie say in the books? It was uh, when he was um, sword fucking with Brienne, you know, his blood was singing, you know, he, this is what he lives for, this is yeah. the fight. Like he only feels alive when off. he's, yeah, like yeah, fighting where fucking. he's fighting or fucking. Yeah, which I think is a, maybe a Cersei yeah. line later on, but yeah. Oh, I just really enjoyed watching Ned and, and Jamie sword fight because that never really happened in the books, but it was good. Actually, and- you know what was interesting? I saw something on Tumblr, I think it was just, yesterday maybe um where someone uh posted that they thought ned would beat jamie in a fight and to me i'm just like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh-uh. i mean you know, i can sort of understand that if you're a show watcher i could you know no I no I, okay no okay but i'm trying to be yeah i mean all we've to- all we've been really told about Jamie repeatedly is that he is the absolute best. He was the best, best during his prime. Um, and we even, I think, have Ned during this episode when he's talking to Barristan saying how he wasn't 
you know, he's not the best fighter. Um, you know, it was his brother Brandon who was who was the swordsman of of the family. So yeah, to me, <laughs> if they had actually fought properly, then yes, Jamie would have slaughtered him. I think. Yeah, but Definitely. you know, I think in a way, maybe like a cat, <laughs> Jamie was playing with them. He was prolonging it. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he loves it. Uh, so that's it. That's the end of the episode. Um, do we have any questions? Uh, I do not have any questions. Bummer. We do have one one soul thank you. <laughs> it's Chicky. Yes. <laughs> what? It's from Chicky. <laughs> she says, <laughs> some person named Chikrin, who's that? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Please continue. Okay. It says, guys, thanks for the week off so that I can laze around in my bra <laughs> And talk to myself rather than Maybe talk to you. <laughs> but I'll be super pissed if you don't spend at least five minutes fangirling over Conleth Hill this ep. Five minutes. I'll be counting. Love I your podcast. Like we... yeah. Listen every week. <laughs> your fun chicky. You know Chickering on Tumblr. You know, you know what's funny? When that came in to the Tumblr, I was like, who the hell's Conleth Hill? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I didn't even Google it. <laughs> Anyone you would know. Did, did we get our five minutes in? Does anyone have anything more to say? I think we got five minutes in, but I feel like we did. We did gush a little bit over yeah. here. So. Can we, we all just good. take a moment to imagine Chicky and her bra? <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't I, put that out I, there. She's coming with me right now. Okay. <laughs> Let's collect ourselves now. <laughs> I'm too aroused. So last week, um, we asked for questions. If you have any for the world of A Song of Ice and Fire, we'll be doing a podcast on that December 23rd. So this is like the last call for questions if you have any for that episode. I'm also still looking for favorite moments from this podcast. If you have them, I just need the episode and what time and what the moment was. So just give me a time code. Um, I would also... I guess suggest that you maybe try to send things to our Gmail if you can, because it seems like more things come through 100% there as opposed Tumblr to Tumblr. Likes it. Yeah, it likes to eat messages occasionally. Yeah, Tumblr eats things, guys. <laughs> so that's close the door and at gmail.com. And, uh, well, close the door and come here.tumblr.com is where you can also message us if you really feel you need to do it there. And uh, that is it. So. Thank you for podcasting, ladies. And thank you, Fleet, for joining us. Thank <laughs> Thanks you, for having me. And Frankie. <laughs> Frankie. Frankie. Making all this noise. Aw. Okay. And thank you for moderating as always, Lot. No problem. All right. See you guys later. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye.